All right, so on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast today, we have Coach Josh Linke. He is the co-offensive coordinator at Toledo Central Catholic High School in Ohio. And man, I know you would just love listening to his wisdom on the podcast. And also, I want to talk about uh, a podcast I just made. It's about uh, helping to rescue Ukrainian orphans and displaced refugees. And I will... I will put uh, the link to donate uh, to Father Jason Sharon in uh, the show notes of this podcast as well, because I think that's a that's a cause that we can help with. Uh, that's a cause that the Mind of the Football Coach podcast listeners can help with uh, as we try to help our fellow humans and to uh, help people that are in a, in a tough, tough spot. So. I know you will, you will love listening to Coach Josh Linky, and also please uh, consider donating to help the Ukrainian orphans and refugees. All right, so today on the Mind of a Football pod, Coach podcast, we have Coach Linky. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Coach Davis, appreciate you having me, man. It's uh... Coach McElvain, he told me about your podcast. I listened to his episode a couple weeks ago. He's a good buddy of mine, good mentor. So um, appreciate you reaching out and having me on and looking forward to uh, talking some football with you. Yeah, man. Coach Coach McElvaney, I think he sent me a book about you in an email. And <laughs> and, and I guess you played for him in high school. Is that, is yeah. that, is that true? Okay. Yep. So I graduated at, from uh, Anthony Wayne High School, a suburb out of Toledo, Ohio, Um I graduated in 2012. Coach McElvady got hired on in 2011. So he was there for my senior year. So I graduated in spring of 2012. My senior year was 2000, fall of 2011. Um, and he was our offensive line coach. So we were a wing T offense. Um, so, you know, him and I worked closely together with a lot of things, even though I was a quarterback at that time. Um, him and I did a lot of things together and just got very familiar with each other. And, um, you know, just kind of getting into my background, I, I then graduated. I played baseball and football at Anthony Wayne for four years. I uh, was a four-year letter, varsity letter in baseball and then a three-year varsity letter in football. Um, went and played college baseball at Rochester College for a year, actually up in Michigan, um, just a little bit north of Detroit. I ended up blowing my arm out. So I was like, I got to figure out what I want to do next. And really didn't, like, I never told myself that I was, like, going to get into coaching. Like, that was never, like, I was never like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. Um, kind of just, like, happened organically. And so I came back, um, went to Bowling Green State University, transferred there, and uh, which is about 20 minutes from my hometown. Um, so I was living at home and then got, got involved uh, with the football program, got in touch with Kyle, um, our head coach at the time, Craig Smith, who I played for as well, um, had a receiver's job open. So I was actually the JV head coach my first year and then the receiver's coach on varsity. Um, we Again, we're a wing T offense, so a receiver's coach in a wing T offense is doing a whole lot of stock blocking drills, not like uh, yeah. receiver's coaches of today's game where you're running spread offenses of four or five wide all the time. So, um, but it was good for me. It was good for my development. I was getting to coach kids that I, you know, was like just playing with the year prior um, that would have been like sophomores when I was a senior. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a really good experience for me. I was there for two years, then got a chance to call plays at the JV level. Um you know, I, I knew the offense well because I was a wing T quarterback. But my senior year, we got to the point where we were, like, making check with knees at the line, and I was able to do all that stuff. So I, I thought I had it all figured out, um, yeah, yeah. being a JV offensive coordinator at, at 19 years old. But um, so that was really good for me and my development. So that's kind of where I, where I met Kyle. And then 
I actually took off after that. I, I went to Bowling Green State University and I actually got on as an offensive student assistant over there with uh, Dino Babers. Mm-hmm. 2015 won the MAC title. So I tell people all the time that that was kind of my introduction to spread football, right? That was like my 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 master's degree in, in spread football and learning the game of X's and O's and learning how to coach and learning how to handle handle kids that um, you know, really didn't really didn't care about what your knowledge was. They just cared about getting better. So if you gave them some tools to get them better, then they were going to listen to what you had to say. So that was a good experience for me coaching guys that were kind of the same age as me. And then by the time I left there, when Coach Jinx came in in 2016, um, I was running a room for for receivers in terms of young guys. So we had what we called Friday night ball, where um, or excuse me, Thursday night ball, where we had like all the young. Um, red shirt freshman recruits, all those guys that were kind of red shirt in that year, they played in their own game just to kind of stay up with stuff because they weren't playing, obviously. Um, and I was getting to run a room during that time. So they put a lot of trust in me. And really, when you're a student assistant, man, you're doing everything. I mean, you're, I was down in the equipment room. I was, you know, getting people coffee, picking guys up from the airport, um, going to coaches' houses and letting their dogs out. I mean, there was a number of things that I was doing during that time, but it was all really good stuff and fun. Um, and so, you know, that that was kind of – that's how I kind of got started. And then I ended up being an offensive coordinator at Toledo St. Francis, which was uh, which is our rival, actually, at Central Catholic. I'm another Catholic school here in Toledo. There's three big Catholic schools here in Toledo, um, Toledo Central Catholic being one, and then Toledo St. Francis to Sales, and then Toledo St. John's. Um, so, um, you know, just ended up being an OC at 22, 23 years old at that time. And, and a big, you know, the, the biggest conference in Northwest Ohio, um, you know, and, and really just kind of had to learn trial by fire there. So it was another scenario where I've been able to kind of cli- climb the ladder quickly and been thrown into some, some big time jobs, probably when I was not ready at a young age. Um, but it's really paid dividends for myself. I mean, I've had the opportunity now at, at 28 years old to interview for two head coaching jobs um, so, you know, that's, that's a goal of mine is to become a head coach very quickly, hopefully before the age of 30, 31, um, you know, actually, um, was offered a job just recently, but had to turn it down because of some circumstances of not being able to get in the building, um, which I think is very important as a head football coach, you got to be able to be in the building. Um, and that's no, no fault of anybody. It's just, you know, things didn't work out and I had to do what was best for me. So, but, um, all these experiences have really helped me kind of grow. And then, like I said, I've been at Central Catholic the last four years now. So when Coach Dempsey calls, um, he's a three-time state title winner. Um, and that was kind of the reason why I took the job. So I'm the passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach over here. And um, I um, kind of took a step down in job title, so to speak, as you would say, because I was a, a sole OC at St. Francis. But the reason why I did that is because I wanted to set myself up to, to become a head coach. And who better to learn under – and Coach Dempsey in the Toledo area. I mean, the best head coach. I mean, he's 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 by far the best head coach in Northwest Ohio, and probably the best head coach in, in the state of Ohio, um, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, what, what better guy to learn under? And he's been phenomenal for my development. Uh, been helpful in everything that I've needed. And you know, I'm really not in any rush to leave Central Catholic. We got a great group of kids. Got a chance to win a state title every year. Um, but I also have goals and ambitions for myself. So I do want to be a head coach at some point soon. Um, and, and like I said, just being around the guys that we're with every day, man, no egos, um, you know, the kids that we work with, no egos, it's just, everybody's just there to win, right? Win and graduate, get scholarships and, and, and good academics and have a, have a phenomenal experience. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now in the, in the, in the long-winded version, but, but yeah, that's how I met Kyle to bring it all back. And then Kyle has been phenomenal for me, man. When I, you know, when I'm 
looking at possible head coaching jobs or if I'm, you know, needed something. I mean, we're just constantly shooting ideas off each other. Um, you know, he's writing me letter of Rex. He's, he's, you know, there's some, there's stuff that he writes up for me. He's like, Hey, I did something for you, throw it in your portfolio. And like, I go look at it and it's like a letter home to parents. Like when you get the job, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that, that he does. I don't even need to ask and he does it. So he's been a great, great, uh, mentor and role model for me and a good friend. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What a, what a story. So from wing T high school quarterback, college baseball player, College coach with Dino Babers, and I, I was I want to ask this about Dino Babers. So he he's off of the Art Riles tree, right, or the the Riles tree with that offense. How yep. secretive is that offense in reality? <laughs> because I hear it's like you got to have the handshake, you know, the haircut, the whole yeah. line to even get in the door to talk about that. Like what? Yeah. So when when you so learn. It's funny you bring that up. That was when I got hired there. That was one of the things like in my interview, I didn't personally sit down with coach Babers in my interview. I'd met with a football operations guy. Um, but that was one of the things in my interview that was like, Hey, you know, if we find out that you're giving out film to anybody, if we find out that you're done, like immediately, you oh, know, so it was one of those deals like where and you kind of do like, and you just knew how they operated. Like, if you notice, like, so Coach Lewis, who's also a branch of that tree, he's the head coach at Kent State now, Sean Lewis. Okay. He's a, he's a really good – he's been a good mentor of mine as well. I've been able to speak with him numerous times. Andrew Sauter, who's the OC there, he was the outside receivers coach um, at BG when I was there. So he I, he's the guy that I actually worked directly for. So, like, Sean and Andrew were the guys that I worked closest with um, day in and day out. But, like, if you notice, like, those guys don't do a whole bunch of clinic talks. Like, they don't – they just kind of keep it tight to the vest. Um, where, you know, it's, and that stuff's really gotten out the last couple of years. Cause that offense has kind of taken over college football, right? Everybody there's, there's a little bit of it everywhere that everybody's doing. So, um, so it's gotten out, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just by how those guys kind of operate. I mean, you can just tell when you're in the building that, um, you know, we're, you know, if, if we're not just going to go give the information to people, you know what I mean? So you got to kind of be a part of the crew to know the ins and outs of it. And there's certain things that go on in practice and the way that you teach stuff and technique wise that like, you only know that if you've been a part of somebody, like if you've been a part of one of those branches, you know what I'm saying? Like there's certain things that you do that make that offense successful that you do day in and day out, the way you carry yourself, the way you run media. I mean, all that stuff kind of plays a factor that you would only know if you're involved in the program. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, it's secretive, yes, but um, again, it's it's everything is getting out these days. So, like, there's there's stuff all over the place. You can find kind of what's going on. So, mm -hmm. um, but no, it's good, man. It's cool. It's really fun to be a part of because at that time, like in 2014, 15, I mean, that was it was cutting edge stuff. Like what was okay. going on, um, you know. So, and then you had you had um, Kendall Bryles that you know Baylor. I think Philip Montgomery got hired at Tulsa, and then. Uh, Art Browse hired, he just promoted Kendall. And then Kendall's first kind of live action was that bowl game. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot who they were playing against. Might have been Michigan State. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was that was kind of his first play calling experience. And you kind of saw, you know, what it, what it looked like, um, mm -hmm. you know, at that time. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, it's, it's the, that, that offense is kind of trickled. If you're running the spread, like you've got some sort of Bryles. You got something in there, right? Everybody's kind of doing a little bit of something now. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember this was years, this is what, three, four years ago. Uh, 
I've had access to some film and you, like Baylor was, was on there and you're watching it going, man, this really is unique. They're running dark with the tackle. Yep. And, then they, and then they would run power. And I'm sure, I don't know if you do this. I would love for you to talk about it if you do. They would run power, but still keep the darts, like the tackle pulling. Yeah. Yeah. So they, so we, um, well, I guess they, there's a big misconception with like, I was fortunate enough to be in both offenses. So when you talk about like the two most predominant spread offenses, it's, it's the Art Bryles. I call it the power spread. Like mm-hmm. in that offense, you're trying to take deep shots. You're you're running the football downfield vertically, um, you know, and then there's RPOs involved in it as well. Mm-hmm. That is basically what we've become at Central Catholic. Um, with, with the air rage stuff, like with the Mike Leach stuff, which I, I was a part of when Mike Jinks was at BG, mm-hmm. um, everybody's like, you know, those are the same two offenses. And like when you're in the nuts and bolts of things, you're like, no, these two offenses are completely different. Um, they're both spread football, right? They're, you know, you're throwing it around a little bit. The air raid, you're throwing it around a lot more. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's a finesse offense, but I mean, it, it is compared to what the what the Baylor tree stuff is because you can run more in that kind of style and scheme. But and then in the air raid, you're throwing it around 50, 60 times a game. I mean. Um, and it, and both have been highly successful, right? Both have been highly successful and, and operated at a different level. Um, and everybody's kind of put their own spin on it. Like you look at Lincoln Riley now, right? Like Lincoln Riley doesn't throw it 60 times a game like Mike Leach does. He's uh, he's he's got his own little his own little twist in it in the run game. And I think those guys are going to kill it out and out at USC um, with the type of athlete he's going to be able to recruit to now out there. But um, so everybody's kind of done their own little thing too, but those offenses are very different. I just feel fortunate enough to be able to see both mm-hmm. of them firsthand up close and personal at that time. You know what I mean? So, um, we talk about tempo and just, you know, the, the different ways that you're able to spread the football around, um, has been good. So that's my offensive philosophy is kind of molded like a little bit of both. I would say more so, um, I, I, I got the more, so I like the Baylor stuff. Um, and that's more of what we've kind of taken on, but, um, we still use a lot of the air raid concepts. I mean, we were three years ago, we were all air raid pass game. And now we've kind of slowly started to, um, you know, put in more of that deep choice series stuff. Um, so that's been really good to us. And, um, you know, that's kind of what my, my philosophy is offensively um, with the run game. I mean, for us at central, we run tight zone inside zone, um, we run zone smack. I mean, we'll run a little bit of outside zone, not a ton. Um, and then we, we like to have a deep toolbox, we say. So we, mm. we install as much as we can, and then we kind of cut as we go. Mm. Um, so we've got kick-out power. We've got one-back power. Um, we've got, you know, we've got gap scheme, two-polar, you know, guard H-back, guard tackle. Um, we'll run a lot of bash, you know, so we'll mm-hmm. bash one way and then come back with guard tackle the other way. Mm. Um, you know, power read is a heavy, heavy part of what we do. Um, you know, so a lot of what we do is, is uh, you know, we just, we like to, we like to base what we do off of mm-hmm. what the defense has kind of given us. We like to have answers. That's our big thing. And our, everybody in our staff, you talk to our offensive staff, that's, it's going to come out of everybody's mouth. We like to have answers. So mm-hmm. now I know a lot of people may disagree with that because you're like, we never get good at anything. Well, we don't, if we're not going to use something, we won't rep it just for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Once we find what we like, we're going to install as much as we can. And then we have to go back to that answer, you know, in week eight or nine, we'll go back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and we've been fortunate enough to have really good athletes and have really good players. So it, it allows us to kind of be able to do those things. Now, if I'm at a school where you got 30 kids on the roster and you got to get really good at two or three things and your, and your philosophy has to kind of change, but mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of where we're at offensively. Um, we're four and five wide, 10 personnel. 
Um, we are in 11 personnel at times. We'll bring a guy in a box, but we're mainly 10, 11. Um, we don't, we, we get into some too tight stuff, but um, that's not who we are. Every time we, every year we try to do that. My offensive line coach or our offensive line coach and myself said to each other all the time, we're like, you know, it, this is not who we are. You know, let's get back to our, you know, just 10 personnel cleans up the box for the, for the O-line. Um, mm-hmm. so, and that's what he likes. That's what we like. So, um, you know, we just like, we like, we, we've, we like to play spread football. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, um, you know, we like to spread that thing out and, and make sure that we create, you know, enough space for our guys up front to operate and then create enough space for our athletes to operate as well. Mm-hmm. When you're, when you put your offense together, I mean, it's what you like, it's what you, what you know, what you're comfortable with. What's really interesting, what I just heard you talking about was you take you know, advice from like your offensive line coach, your receivers coach, my question would be, because I've had this happen in different places I've been, you inevitably get somebody who throws an idea that's like off the wall. We don't do that. So how do you as a coordinator make sure you stay in the funnel, so to speak? Like you're in the, hey, this is our toolbox. Let's not vary from this. Like how do you guide that as you as you install and put your, your offense Right. Yeah, that's a really good question, because as football coaches, we can sit there and draw up X's and O's all day and look at scheme for 800 hours, Mm -hmm. um, you know, instead of focusing on one one or two things that might help us win that one, you know, help us win that regional title game next year, that state semifinal game. Um, It's good. We our our offensive staff is phenomenal. Chad Hunter Brinker is our offensive line coach. He would he doesn't have the title, but I would call him our like run game coordinator. I mean, he, he handles all of our run game stuff. Um, we come in on Sunday mornings, him and coach Dempsey kind of tag team that um, uh, myself and then Eric Page, who played at University of Toledo and then played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a number of years, played in the NFL for a couple of years. He's our receivers coach. So him and I handle the pass game stuff. Um, and it, it really, I would say that. And then Wondell Hill is our running backs coach. He's heavy in the run game stuff as well. But um, I would say we, we've got a great working relationship with our guys. Like even though some guys have some coordinator titles, coach Dempsey ultimately calls the plays. Um, but our we it's 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 truly just an open information of, of flow for us. Like we bring our ideas, we bring our suggestions, um, and Coach Dempsey runs with them. Um, a lot of times, all of our adjustments on the sideline are made by myself and Chad. Um, you know, and then Wandell is up in the box as well. Um, and then we're kind of you know giving Coach Dempsey those keys, you know, throughout the game to kind of go here or go there. But when we're creating our offense or finding out what we want to do, it is really easy to like fall into that rabbit hole let's add this let's add that because like we're fortunate enough to be at a place like where we have really good athletes we've got good players so like anything that we draw up we're like yeah this will work you know what I mean so like um but for us you know it's how much our kids can handle right very quickly like when you install something you you can tell if your kids are gonna be able to handle it or not like Mm -hmm. I'm not a person that wants to scrap something immediately because it's going to take a day or two for the kids to kind of pick up on it but um more often times than not, I mean, if it looks good, you know, we'll throw it in there. Or if it fits what we do, we'll throw it in there. It's got to make sense for us. And then on top of that, the big thing, too, is like figuring out verbiage, right? If you get to a point where you're trying to install a play and, like, you can't come up with a, with a freaking name or how you're going to spit it out in a play call, yeah. like, it's probably not going to make sense. You're probably going to be able to get to something a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, you know, so you try to find things that will make sense within your verbiage as well mm. uh, when you're adding things and kind of subtracting things. Um, we've added some more as we go. Like every year we tend to add more, add more, add more. Um, and we don't necessarily like say, Hey, we're scrapping this, right. We just kind of let, we let it happen organically where like, we don't call it as much. 
You know what I'm saying? So like, it's still a part of what we do, but we end up not calling it at all. And then, you know what, like when we go look at it the next year, we may say, Hey, let's get rid of this because think about, look at how many times we call this over the past two years. We called it seven times. Why, why, why is this in our offense still? You know what I mean? So that's kind of what we look at. And then obviously coach Dempsey has the final say in what we want to do. Um, in terms of, you know, what we're going to scrap and what we're going to keep. But we, like I said, we have, we have slowly, not slowly, we have kind of transformed into, we're a deep shot team. We like to throw the ball down the field. We like to push it and take shots. We RPO. And then we're a, we're, we're a run, you know, power run game, zone run game, um, probably more so gap scheme than anything on mm-hmm. um, the last couple of years, but that's who we are. Um, that's who we are. We're, we've, we, we haven't been a huge zone read team the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, we probably should be more this year, but uh, we do a lot of zone lock because we just will we'll read the second level in RPO. That's what we mm-hmm. that's what we've turned into. Um, so now if we pre-snap RPO like a bubble or a missile and we get it out, you know, on the on the rim quickly, then we'll zone read it. We'll first level read that and mm-hmm. give our guy the option based off numbers, leverage, and grass if he just wants to pull it and run it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, that's what we've turned into. We're a tempo team. We've got multiple tempos. Mm-hmm. Um we try to operate as fast as we can, but I used to be a guy as to where, like, I thought just play fast all the time. Like when I was coming out of BG and I was getting my first OC job, I was like, play fast, play fast, play fast. Cause when we were at BG, we played a thousand miles an hour. However, you kind of get yourself into a trap of like, not really knowing what you need to call. You're just calling plays. You know what I'm saying? Well, that, that can work. That can work in certain, certain circumstances, but like the league that we play in is the defenses are too good. And, and, and honestly, honestly, in all of football, all defenses have gotten too good, right? Defensive coordinators and defenses are way too good. They, every, everybody's used to basketball and grass now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's used to tempo football. So, like, you got to be able to slow it down and have answers and make sure you get yourself in the right play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you're actually more dangerous if you're able to change tempo. So we've got, we're, we're, we, we've got one-word calls, so we can go lightning fast and one-word call stuff. Um, and at the end of the day, you're really only as fast as what your play call is. Right. So mm-hmm. as fast as your play caller is going to spit something out, like our verbiage is a lot. Like if you hear a play call for us, like it's like six or seven words. So you think to mm-hmm. yourself, man, that's like really wordy. But for our kids, it's really easy. It's two signals for them or one signal. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, okay. so they only see one or two things and we're able to roll. So like we've had that discussion before, too. Like, should we change our verbiage? You know what I mean? Like, should we get simpler? Well, we could, but really who is it hurting at the end of the day? It's not really hurting our kids. They're just seeing one or two signals. It's mm-hmm. really just on the, like, we'll take the onus for that for us. Mm-hmm. And rather than having the kids try to figure it out, you know what I mean? We've gotten to the point where like yeah. our kids know the concept, but we'll be, I'll be like, Hey, what do you got on this? You know what I mean? They, and then they'll spit it out immediately. Hey, I got a three-step slant. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's, it's one of those things where like, they don't even really need to know the verbiage. So right. they just know that signal and they roll. Now, again, you want to get to the point where, you're teaching those kids verbiage because they got to know football, right? They got to understand, mm-hmm. especially when you're, if you've got some kids that are trying to play the next level, you want to teach them. But, um, you know, that's what's kind of worked for us. And that's kind of where we're at offensively. So I would call, we're a multiple spread offense. That's what I tell people. Um, but we're able to do a bunch of different things. But we, we've really turned into kind of, um, you know, just take your deep shots, RPO people, quick game your stuff, quick game. And then we've got, you know, we'll run the football at you too, you know, with some, with some power run game stuff. But mm-hmm. we just, we just do it. We just do it out of spread sets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, it's so interesting how football, it's the same 
like base plays that have always been run, like since you know the, the invention of the forward pass, but the formation yeah. changed, what we call it changes, you know, what we're doing. My here's my question with RPOs, because we did that in 16, 16 and 17, where I was. We were huge into that. Um, our issue was people would play one or zero, and you know, it, it was our issue there. We couldn't beat them in the passing game. That became right. our problem was if you load the box, lock it up, we're going to have a hard time, um, you know, doing that. I'm, now, where you're at is a little different story from what, you know, we've talked about. And I, I know enough about Slio Central Catholics. You know, if somebody plays you in one or zero, you're going to, right. you know what I mean, like try to take the top off. Is that your yeah. kind of philosophy of that? You see man-to-man, we're going to. Yeah. yeah, so we've kind of gotten to the point, like, and again, this is not to like sit here and toot my horn or like nag on anybody previously before we got hired there in, 20, in 2019. Coach Dempsey won three state titles before he hired me. So like the guy was obviously doing something right, but he knew something was lacking. Um, being able to take the top off and develop a quarterback in the past game in the RPO world, tempo, all that stuff, that was all lacking. Hmm. And, they, and, and, and they were losing games they shouldn't have been losing to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, late in the season in a regional title game and, and a state semifinal game with superior talent because they weren't able to do those things. People just started loading the box. Whereas now, you watch a lot of our film, like we're getting a lot of too high looks now, like because mm-hmm. we're able to we've diversified a little bit. But if we get stuff like we're we're salivating at the mouth if someone plays us man to man now, like if we right. get so like that's our thing, right? Like if we're gonna RPO people um, and play with the you know play in a six-man box or a five-man box that that's great we can we can do that we are an explosive offense so like we always joke like if if you go back and look at our stuff the last like three years if we have any series that lasts like 10 plays or more like we end up hurting ourselves we end up like having a penalty or so like we like to score we like to score fast like quickly like the like i said we like to take our shots and Mm-hmm. like a lot like a successful drive for us is usually like six plays five six plays seven plays mm-hmm. um because we're scoring very quickly um but like i said no if, if, if we get man to man like that's fine we, we, we'll relish that too um mm-hmm. now we had six twins this year that just could take the top off the defense and we're big mm-hmm. kids and we could throw the ball vertically downfield too um we won't have that this year but we got a like we've got a kid that's got like 13 D1 offers right now. That's a that's a defensive guy that's gonna play receiver for us. He's a burner, he can take the top off. He, but he's a smaller kid, he's about six, six foot. Um, but so we're able to still do those things based off what we do. We run a lot of the choice route stuff down the field. Um, mm. so like outside choice, slot choice. Um, so but yeah, no, to answer your question, I mean, if we see man coverage, we relish that because we like to we like to take our shots, you know what I'm saying? So mm um and it works for us that's why i tell people all the time like people always are like not nagging on us but they're like oh yeah it's easy when you recruit kids and you got six six out there whatever else and we're like yeah why would we not use that like we're we gonna try to make it harder on ourselves like oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> like why would we you know why so what, we're gonna throw it to our five six guy in the slot because that's what everybody else does like we're, yeah of course we're gonna use our kids that we got to our advantage and then when we don't have those kids we got to make adjustments you know what i mean so you're talking about downfield choice routes slot fade is slot fade has become like the thing at the college level at least like what's your thought on that play do you carry that do you like it because man in college football you see it all the time yeah 
Yeah, I we do like it. We so we call it. Um, I've done a couple clinics on it recently, but we mm. we call it slot choice. So it's just and 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 slot fade is like some you can call slot fade right, like where you, your number one runs the hitch route and then you truly run the slot fade on the inside. We've done that, mm. um, but we also have a slot choice series. We call it where like the number two receiver is going to read the near safety. So like in a too high look, he's going to come out. Like, let's say you're just in a traditional two by two, you're throwing the ball into the boundary, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that inside receiver to the boundary there, if you're in a too high look, he's going to read that near safety. The things he's got to ask himself pre-snap are, where's that safety's alignment at? How far away is, is he from me? And is he on the hash or off the hash, right? Mm-hmm. So like his number one rule in that play is he's got to defeat underneath coverage. So like, if there's a walkout backer, we call it the area outside defender. Like it may, might be your Sam linebacker. It could be a nickel. It could be a multitude of people to based on what kind of defensive structure you're seeing, but he's got to defeat that guy outside release first. Now, if that guy's giving him inside lever or giving him the inside, then we'll take the inside, get back on top. But then when he gets to 10 yards, he needs to say to himself, can I reach out and touch this guy? If he can reach out and touch that near safety, all right, if he can reach out and touch him, he's going to do one of two things. He's going to read his leverage. Then. So that safety's outside leverage. He's going to try to slip inside and run a split post or a skinny post, we call it. Mm-hmm. If that safety's inside leverage, he is now going to try to run that slot fade we talked about. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that thing, the slot fade can turn into a multitude. Like, there's no straight line path to it, right? Mm-hmm. Because depending on if the corner's falling off, depending on how much grass you've got to that side. So... Now, if he can't touch that guy at 10 yards, then we tell him he's got two out. He's going to shut it down. So he's either going to run like a 10-yard stop route or he's going to run like a 10-yard baby dig if he can't mm-hmm. touch that safety. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're getting the true one high, mm-hmm. a lot of times that guy's going to burn and go. Like he's going to run his slot fade because that's where the grass is at and he's going to go. Mm-hmm. Other times we can shut that thing down too because that one high free safety that he's looking at is untouchable. You're not going to ever touch that guy at 10 yards, right? So um, just kind of based off the defense that we get. But yeah, like, that's turned into a huge part of our offense as well. Um, you know, I love the slot fade. I think it's a, I think, especially if you got a guy that can win inside and if you're able to kind of move guys around, like we've got the, we've got the freedom in our offense to move our big guys inside, move our small mm-hmm. guys outside. Um, our two six, six guys were inside type. One of them was an inside receiver. One of them was an outside receiver, but then we were able to move them kind of both outside. So like, you know, yeah, that to answer your question. Yes. I do like the slot fade. Um, I think it's great, especially if you can win one-on-one. If you're getting one high, like if you're seeing a lot of one-high team or one-high coverages, it's a great concept, especially if that guy can win in the slot. And then on top of that, you got to make sure that you're matching it up properly, though, too, right? Like if you've got your, you know, like our our slot guy is 5'6", 140-pound soaking wet. Um, we don't want him matched up against the nickel, you know what I'm saying, or like a, like a roll-down safety. But we do love him matched up in the boundary against like a will linebacker, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um that's kind of what we've done with it. But yeah, slot fade is, it's, yeah, it's take, it seems like it's taken over college football, especially, but, and we run it too. Uh, we don't try to force it. Like we don't try to run it 800 times a game, but um, mm-hmm. we do run it and we do like it. Mm-hmm. Red zone, goal line, still like 10 personnel, or is there, you know, different personnel packages you like down there? You know, obviously the, the, the field shrinks. What's your philosophy down there? What do you like to do? Let's say you get inside the, you know, 20, 15, 10, you know, to the goal line. What's your, what's your process there as you get closer to, to Pater, so to speak? Right. So, yeah. So we work red zone routes um, every Wednesday. So we've got our red zone packages that we like that we rep. And to be honest with you, like we don't create a bunch of new things. Like we'll throw our red zone stuff in 
And then there's probably four concepts that we have that we carry from week one until week 14, 15. Like, okay. like this year. So like, for instance, this year in our regional championship game, like we've repped, we repped one of these concepts 8,000 times and had never called it in the game up until week 14. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we were like, well, let's go back to this because our kids have been repping it for how many weeks in a row. Um, and it was a little bunch concept. Um, but and then, you know, so we've done we've done a number, number of things like that. Like when we talk about run game, when we get inside there, like our big thing that we have to kind of constantly remind ourselves is like it's easy for us to just like if we're on the five yard line, let's count, let's run tight zone and pound the football. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times every what's everybody doing? Everybody's shooting gaps in the red yeah. zone, right? So like what we've started to do is when we're inside the five, we go outside. Yeah. Outside, outside, outside. So we go quarterback sweep. Um we call it, you know, which is our outside zone. We call it like 18, 19. So like, we'll just, you know, turn and run outside zone. Um, so like quarterback, quarterback run heavy stuff has been a lot of what we do like down there inside the red, inside the goal line. Cause we call it that we've got the red zone then we call it the goal line, you know, like seven and in is the goal line that we've got the red zone from like 20, you know, the 20 and in. so, um, but yeah, that's the thing that we have to constantly remind ourselves. Like if we, if we get, you know, we get the ball at the three yard line and we've been stuck twice in a row, um, you know, either got to throw it that third time or we got to run something outside. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause again, everybody's just kind of shooting and pinching gaps when you get down to get down there. Um, so that's kind of what we've become, um, you know, without getting, you know, so specific, but um, I mean, it is the, the field shrinks. I mean, it condenses and you got to kind of have your red zone package plays that you like. Um, the biggest thing that I've kind of realized with the red zone is everybody gets static, right? The defense has less room that they have to operate. And so it becomes much easier for them. Mm-hmm. The offense has less room that they have to operate. And so it becomes much harder for them. So mm-hmm. anything you can do to window dress things up is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's a motion, whether it's some sort of shift, um, you know, whether it's some sort of misdirection, um, anything you can do to kind of window dress it up to kind of just create as much space as possible. And I think too, you can't be afraid to divulge and call different things down in the red zone, right? Like there's a reason why you work certain red zone throw concepts and certain red zone run concepts every week, all those, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's very easy. It's very easy to get inside the five yard line and stick to like, Hey, let's just run ISO. You know what I'm saying? Or, Hey, let's just run Mm -hmm. tight zone and hand the football off to our guy Mm -hmm. and and get a push. You know what I mean? So, um, those are, those are some of the things that we're still continuing to work on year in and year out, but, um, Mm -hmm. It's tough, man. It's tough when, uh, when that field shrinks and, you know, you really got to, I think that's when you, that's when you see some of the best play callers, right. Mm-hmm. Is when you're in the red zone, you're in the red zone, because if you, if you all see somebody get schemed wide ass open, um, that's, you know, that's, 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 a, that's a, that's a play caller thing. You know what I mean? Cause they've, they've, they've taken the time to work that, install it, draw it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're seeing something it's very easy to just hand the football off and say, Hey, and there's times too, where you're just like, Hey, you're on the five, let's go get five. Let's yeah. play fast, play fast. And that's something that we try to do too. Like if we get down in the red zone and we know we've got somebody on their heels, we'll try to tempo really fast. Like we'll, mm-hmm. we call it drag race, which is like run the same play, same formation over again. And like we'll mm-hmm. drag race something two or three times and end up getting the end zone or we'll drag race something two or three times and get stuck. And then yeah. that's when we kind of have to, we got to take a breath for a minute and be like, Hey, let's make sure we get ourselves in the good play for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it's third and goal. So. Mm. It's interesting you were talking about having different tempos because when I I went to the Franklin Clinic in 2000, 2011, I think, and mm. that was like the first time I ever saw like the air raid 
stuff. Uh, our head coach was big into it. And it was all tempo, tempo, tempo. But like you talked yeah. about, it's come like full circle back to let's get the right yeah. play in. And yeah. so like, how do you manage that? Is it just, is it a feel thing when I, when I run tempo, when I'm slower, like how do you decide when to do that? I guess is the, the question. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's really good to have guys on your staff that remind you um, because it's very easy to get like tunnel vision as a play caller. You know what I'm saying? Like it's very easy to get your own little world and not listen to anybody. But Mm -hmm. even if a guy can like give you a little nugget. So like that's my job on a Friday night with Coach Dempsey. Like besides giving him all the pass game stuff, you know, constant suggestions Mm -hmm. in the throw game um, like is our tempo. So like after we rattle off a big run play, like let's go fast, fast, fast. And we'll run like a perimeter boundary screen that we like, um, which Mm -hmm. is a one word call for us. So having guys like that on the sideline, I think is good to help you like kind of feel that thing out because like when you're a play caller, you're so focused and zeroed in on let's get, let's get the right play call, right? Let's get Mm -hmm. the right play call. We got to gain yards, anything we can do to gain yards, but um, to have those kind of outside noises be in your ear and say, Hey, like, let's go fast. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Or like slow it down. So let's get the right play call here. Um, or like remind you of different things that happened, you know, in the previous snap, mm-hmm. like, Hey, that, that weak side safety rolled, rolled down, you know, Hey, let's take our shot now from to yeah. number one or the corner's playing eight yards off. Let's run our outside choice route. There's no threat, you know, mm-hmm. of an area outside defender getting underneath that route, just little stuff like that. Um, I think helps. Um, but no, it's, I think at the, at the end of the day too, it is a feel thing. Like we try to find our big thing and we call plays. Cause again, I, I call it coach Dempsey calls it, but it's very much a collective effort between a number mm-hmm. of people, myself, our old line coach, mm-hmm. um, coach Dempsey, and then, you know, coach Hills and coach page give their suggestions when needed. But, um, it's very much a feel thing. I think we try to, like I said, we try to find a formation and once we find a formation that we like, we roll, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So okay. that gives us an advantage. Um, and then we go with this. So then anything that we can do tempo wise off of that, when we have the opportunity to hit it, we hit it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think it's, you know, I mean, as a play caller, you know, like if you're chunking a team and you're, you're at a decent tempo, like you're not going to slow down right now, right. all of a sudden, if they, if they set you back and they get, you know, you know, let's say a well linebacker shoots B gap and, and now all of a sudden your quarterback is sacked or they, or they tackle for loss in the backfield on his own concept. Now, you may have to slow it down because you're in second and long mm. kind of getting a decent play call to get half of that back. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. that's the thing that I've kind of learned too as well. Um, like you always got to be thinking a player two ahead, right? So like, let's say, you know, you're plus territory and you know, you might, you know, you're probably going to go for it, right? Mm. When you're play calling, if it's third and 13, like you don't need to have a third and you don't need to have a third and 13 play call. Like when I was a young play caller, Mm. I thought that like every play had to go for a first down. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if right, they didn't, yeah. it was a it was an unsuccessful play. Where like that's not the case, right? So like, right. Get, let's go get what's your best third and five play call? Let's go get five yards or six yards and make it a third and six, or mm. make it or make it a fourth and six. You know what I mean? Like, mm. try to try to chunk it in that aspect, um, and then live with the results. So all that stuff kind of helps. I mean, I don't think there's any perfect answer. Like, I was listening to a to a to a guy talk yesterday about how like they he had my old mindset of like let's just play we don't care what the defense is doing let's play fast all the time mm-hmm. I agree with that to an extent um but my philosophy has kind of changed like you've got I you know I'm all for tempo I want to play fast but you got to be able to get yourself into the right play calls in certain spots there's certain times of the game where you've got to have that perfect play call you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying like yeah. because then what happens is is you end up having 
you end up having what, um, you know, one of my previous head coaches that I worked for, he called them dead plays, which I agree with. Now at the time I was young and dumb and was like, man, don't worry about that. Like, but you have these, you go back and look through a game plan. If you're just calling it fast constantly and calling plays, you end up having these plays where they're dead. Like mm. it's a net zero, it's a minus one, you know, it's an incomplete pass. It's a where, you know, you could have done something completely different and got at least three or four yards. Right. So um, it's a delicate balance. I mean, I really truly think it's just to learn it. Like if you're a guy that plays in tempo and you like tempo, it's just how it's a feel at the end of the day. Um, now, if you're getting something where the defense isn't adjusting, you're able to run two or three plays in a row over again to exploit that. Then mm. you can go, then you can go ultra fast. You know mm. what I'm saying? So, um, it's truly reading and reacting to me. Mm. That's awesome, coach. Once you get that first first down, though, once you get that first first down, though, you can fly, right? So, like, yeah. you know, you get that first first. And you got to understand, too, like, there's certain situations. Let's say you're backed up on your own 10-yard line. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to want to play 800 miles an hour down there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But let's say you get out of there and you get that chunk play and get 15 yards. Okay, now you can roll. Mm -hmm. Kind of that. You got, there's that delicate thing. Now, how does your head coach as a play caller of a tempo offense keep your deep – keep the defensive coordinator sane? Because <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because that dude's going to be like, dude, slow it freaking down, you know? Uh, so how does that balance work? Because we're we're like a turtle offense. We want to go as slow <laughs> as possible between plays. I mean, milk the clock. Yeah. You know, that's what me and Kyle are good friends. Um, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. But like, how does your deep, how does the defensive philosophy go with that? You know, I just that's I, I we were we've been up tempo at times. I know our reasons, yeah. but I, I was would like to hear hear y'all. So it's funny, it's funny you bring that up because I'm probably the answer you did not expect. Our defensive coordinator is constantly telling us to go faster. Like, oh wow, he's got yeah. So he's a very there. Our defense is very aggressive. We're a four-two-five multiple. We run a multitude of different coverages, a million different blitzes. Um, mm -hmm. so he brings pressure from everywhere. Um, but he's an aggressive, aggressive dude. Like okay. if he was flipping over and calling plays on the offensive side of the ball, he would go 800 miles an hour. Um, he tells us at times that we're going too slow. Like you guys can go faster, go faster. Cause our head coach is a previous defensive guy. So like, and it's, it's funny how this is where this evolution has kind of come since I've got hired. So like, if you look at, we had a play this year where we were third and 13, like in years past third and 13, the old coach Dempsey would have played it conservatively, run the football up the middle, punted it away, played field mm -hmm. position. We're sure. now third and 13, like we're chucking it down the field, you mm -hmm. know? So like, I was like showing clips to somebody the other day, a guy that we're getting ready to hire on our staff, like just taking him through our offense. And I was showing clips. And I'm like, perfect example. Here's, here's coach Dempsey's evolution. Like five years ago, he would have ran the ball and got, got out of there and punted it. Now we're chucking it down the field and, and converting to third and 13 mm -hmm. and then going fast immediately after that. Um, so yeah, our defense coordinator wants us, he wants us to play as fast as possible. He tells us all the time, gives us the green light. Coach Dempsey is a previous defensive coordinator. That's what he grew up in. Mm -hmm. um, that's what he got. You know, that's how he kind of made a name for himself as a defensive guy. Mm -hmm. um, and the years that he's won all his state titles, he's kind of won it by round and pound, grinding the clock out, playing great defense. So like his mindset is starting to change, right? Because that's, you got to score points now. I mean, the days of like, the days of winning a football game 13 to three are like done. Like they're so over with, you know, just because offenses are too good. Mm -hmm. Offenses are way too good now and they score way too many points. Um, so you got to be able to keep up. So like, you know, that's what our DC is always telling us. He's like, you know, play fast, man, play, play as fast as you can. So, mm -hmm. which kind of, you know, gives you the peace of mind you know, at the end of the day, like, hey, if your DC is saying that, then let's go. Like, we're going to do do as 
we were going to play as fast as we can. Now there are times too, like, you know, a three and out is just as bad as a turnover, right? Quick, yeah. like a quick three and out is just as bad as a quick turnover. So yeah. that's what kind of came back to haunt us in our, you know, in our regional title game. And then our game before that, you know, our regional semi was that we just had, we had three turnovers in the first quarter in both mm-hmm. games. You know what I mean? So like our defense ended up being out there for a long period of time. Um, but you can almost, you can like, let's say you go three and out in a matter of 19 seconds or 20 seconds. That's the same thing as a turnover to me. Yeah. You got to, there's a delicate balance of what you want to do, right? Like just what I talked about before, you got to be able to kind of read and react and feel the game out most importantly, but no, I mean, our DC, he's a, uh, he's an aggressive guy. So he gives us the green light constantly. Like you just go. So, um, you know, that's what we try, that's what we try to do. That's awesome. Coach, as we, we land the plane on, on the podcast today, I would love for you to give some advice to somebody looking to get into coaching and take the route you've taken. You have your career path is like exponential growth. I'm a science teacher. So the J curve. So mm-hmm. what are things that you have done that have allowed you to, to do that? If you wouldn't mind sharing those with people listening who may want to take your, your advice and, and have a the career that you've already had and you're not even 30 years old. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I've, I've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of good people. That's the, like the first thing I'll probably say is just the, mm-hmm. is make sure you surround yourself with good people. Um, you want to attach yourself to winning programs if you can, mm-hmm. um, because that's going to help you if you want to move up the ladder quickly, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. There's guys that jump. There are guys that jump from job to job very quickly, but like you go and look at the success of some of those jobs and it's like, well, he's just a job hopper because that team wasn't very good. That team wasn't very good. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say is just attach yourself to good people and attach yourself to good situations. Um, I'm at the best situation I can be in in Toledo. Um, there is no better program than what we have um, besides being a head football coach. And to be honest with you, the job that I have is better than some of the head coaching jobs out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I've also, I've also like, I've not, <clears throat> I've, I've gotten to the point where, you know, I'm 10 years in, this will be my 10th year. I'm, I'll be 29 years old in, in August. This will be my 10th year of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started when I was 19 years old um, and I've been a core, you know, I've been kind of been at two, I've been two years at a place and then moved on. So I was two years at AW, two years at BG, two years at St. Francis, and now going to my fourth year at Central Catholic. So that's kind of shown my growth, so to speak, and not wanting to job hop either. Cause I know this is a very good situation that I'm at right now. Like it'd be very easy for me to be like, screw this. I'm not the sole play caller. Like I want the title. I want to go call my own, do my own deal. But like, I know I also would never had a chance, like at 28 years old, I, without being at Central Catholic and being under Coach Dempsey, I would have never had a chance to interview for two head coaching jobs. Yeah. And gotten, and gotten, I was a finalist for one and then gotten, got offered the other one. So like, I know that I'm doing something right. right. Um, you know, and then I, you know, I tell people too, just be yourself. I mean, kids see, kid, I know that's cliche to say, but like kids see through that constantly. Um, you got to be yourself. You got to kind of forge your own path. I think it's very easy for young guys to kind of like, try to emulate somebody while they try to take that mentorship. They try to emulate somebody and be that person. Mm. Um, you got to be comfortable in your own skin and how you coach. Like you can't conform because you're going to have older coaches that kind of want you to do it their way. You know what I mean? Like guys that you work with on staff. So like you got to just stick to your guns and say, Hey, I got to be who I am. This works for me. And this is what I do. Um, so I'm not a big yeller. I'm a patient person. Um, I, I would, I would call myself a player's coach, but I would also, like Marcus Freeman's quote was perfect when he got the Notre Dame job. Cause I feel like that's very much who I am too. Like there's no reason for me to like put the fear of God in the kids like hearts every day when I go and see them. Right. Like for me, 
but they need to know too, when it's time to work, it's time to work. Like there still has to be an aura about you where um, you got to carry yourself in a sense that, um, you know, this is where you, this is what needs to be done. So, and I just kind of let, like, there's, I've gotten to the point where I, I've let things happen organically. You know what I mean? Like I used to be, when I was younger, I was like, gotta get the next job, gotta get the next job, gotta get the next job. Um, whereas things are going to come, you know, just meet great people, work for great people, um, put yourself in good situations. If you feel like you're in a situation where you're not growing at all, or like you're getting stuck or stagnant, or there's a lot of negativity, you probably need to remove yourself from that situation, go get a job elsewhere. Mm. Uh, so, and then just be where your butt's at, right? So uh, do the best that you can where you're at and people are going to take notice. You know what I mean? So like, like I said, I used to have a bigger title, so to speak, when I was at St. Francis, but like, not that people didn't know who I am, but people, you know, people knew who I was, but like now I've kind of taken a step back, so to speak, in title um, at Central Catholic and my, my notoriety, so to speak, has gone through the roof. With, and, and what is that a testament to? I'm attaching myself to a good program that wins football games. So people mm -hmm. want to talk, talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of the things that I would say, make sure you be yourself, attach yourself to work for good people um, and just try to soak up as much knowledge as you can. And then, you know, there are, there is a time where you do have to take a leap of faith. Right. So like, mm -hmm. um, you know, there is a time where like, that's the only way you climb the ladder and get to those next jobs. You got to take a leap of faith. And like, I know for me, like when I do become a head coach, hopefully in the next, you know, year, two years, whatever it may be like, the situation that I'm taking over is not going to be anywhere near as good as what Central Catholic is. So like, it's very easy for me to sit here and be like, well, that's a bad job. That's a bad job. That's a bad job. Well, that's easy for me to say because I'm at the best job in high school football in Northwest Ohio, granted as a position coach, but mm -hmm. um, it's a different responsibility being the head coach. And at some point you got to go out and forge your own, your own path. And that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm build your own program so i know that so you got to be able to take kind of that risk so to speak um off of blind faith and uh, you know go take that job and kind of build your own thing so um but no it's just you know surround yourself with good people make sure you're, you're taking in the right information and just continue to get better i mean every day you should be trying to do something right every day you should be, even if it's 10 minutes on twitter you know reading through an article or you know watching a clip all that stuff matters so um, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but I've been very fortunate to have really good mentors and be around really good people that I've been, you know, able to, I mean, I tell people like I'm going to my 10th year of coaching. They're like, what? Mm. At 29 years old, I'm, you know, I'm into a 10 year, double digit years now, but, um, I've kind of just stuck with it. You know what I mean? Like I've just stuck with it. I've done some dirty jobs that people don't want to do. Like that student assistant deal at BG wasn't, it wasn't like the end all be all, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's given me the opportunity to be where I'm at now. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and hopefully I can continue to project and, and, and continue to, you know, you know, kind of rise, so to speak, but I'm happy where I'm at right now. I'm not in any rush. Um, I tell people all the time, like when I've interviewed for these head coaching jobs, I tell people like, I'm not, not desperate, right? Like there's some guys that get so desperate in this profession just to be the head coach or be the coordinator that they take bad jobs. Like I want to make sure that I'm not taking a bad job either. So because the goal is not to be a head coach for me. The goal is to, to stay a head coach as long as possible. Right. So um, that's kind of the point that I've gotten myself to. So, um, and, and central Catholic has done nothing but good things. I can't say enough good things about coach Dempsey and the staff that I'm working for. I mean, those guys are phenomenal. So, um, you know, hopefully I can continue that. And then when it's my time to have a program, I mean, I, I believe I'll be ready. Coach, man, that's great. Your wisdom is, is fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing and, I'm glad we connected, man. I feel like I got somebody I can talk to and text and 
uh, get some wisdom from them. That's fantastic. Absolutely, Zach. I appreciate you having me. So uh, it's uh, always willing to hop on anybody that wants to, you know, the stuff that you guys are doing, everybody's kind of branched off and made their own podcast or, you know, they do their own clinic talks. I mean, it's good stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's fun to be a part of. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the, the, the football world kind of exploded during COVID, um, you know, with coaches putting on, you know, clinics and podcasts and things of that nature. So it's, uh, it's good what you guys are doing too. I, I, I've listened to a couple of episodes that you've got so far up into this point. So it's, uh, it's fun, man. Keep doing uh, what you guys are doing and giving back. Yeah, man. Awesome. Thank you for that compliment. Uh, where can people find you, Coach? Where, how can people connect with you? Yeah, so my, um, you can shoot me an email. So my email is Josh Linke, L-I-N-D-K-E, and then the number 15 at gmail.com. And then um, my Twitter is Coach underscore J Linke, L-I-N-D-K-E. Um, so all over Twitter. Um, if you want to just shoot me a DM on Twitter, that's perfectly fine too. Give me a follow. Um, and then hopefully, you know, we can connect or, or whatnot. And if anybody's interested in, um, you know, doing like a solo Zoom session or whatever, talking ball, more than likely to do that. I've got some clip, I've got some videos on YouTube as well. So if you just type in my name, Josh Linke on YouTube, I've got a number of quarterback videos on there for football scoop, uh, coach two. Hmm. Um, there's a multitude of things out there. I've spoken at the Michigan State High School Coaches Clinic the past couple of years. Those are on there. Um, Nick Banstra, who I'm not sure if people are familiar with, he's got his own coaching coaching uh, YouTube mm-hmm. show that I've, I've been on there. So, yeah, if you just throw my name in there on YouTube, too, there's a number of videos on there that that, that I've done. I've been on uh, the USA Football Today podcast with Keith Grabowski. Um, yeah, yeah. So on there. Um, so been able to been fortunate enough to do a number of podcasts. So I, like I said, I appreciate you having me on. So coach, you, you should start your own, man. I'm telling you, I, I, t- <laughs> I say this to everybody I interview pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I, my, I don't know. My wife, she's, she asked me this morning. She's like, what do you got? Cause I'm going on spring break. Yeah. So like, what do you got going on? I was like, I gotta go on a podcast this morning. And so she's like, she's like never ending with football. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, what's well, our hobby, man? We, what else do we do? You know, I mean, oh, yeah. she, some guy- she, that's the other thing too. You want to climb the ladder quickly. If you're not, if you're single or if you're not single, if you've got a wife or a girlfriend, make sure you got a good, a good one, because um, the number of hours that a football coach has to put in, which I'm, you know, I mean, it's, if you don't have that, that supporting force at home um, that is on board with you doing that, then, then you're going to run into some issues. So she's phenomenal. Like she's, you know, she, she understands, we don't really know what it, what it entails yet. If I become a head coach soon, but she knows the amount of hours that it's going to take to work and she's all on board with it. So that's another thing I'll say too, to make sure that, you know, your significant other is, is on board with what you're doing or just stay single. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, the hours are, and they are what they are though. I mean, it, yeah. it takes what the, the yeah. phrase I usually use is it takes what it takes. Yep. And, um, you know, yep. smart about it. I think one thing COVID has taught us is, it doesn't take as long as we once thought it did. Correct. That's that's one of my takeaways is, oh, okay, so we can do it like this. Right. Um, right. Yeah. We So our staff is kind of old school in that sense. Like, we've got a lot of old school guys on there that, like, we could do the Zoom stuff, and, like, we do waste a lot of time. Um, but, like, we gen- we love being around each other. Like, I tell people all the time, like, I've never had so much – that's why I'm, like, so hesitant to leave because I'm, like, I love where I'm at. Um, I love the guys that I work with where, you know, and having that face-to-face interaction, I think when you're talking things out is important too, um, rather than being on zoom. 
Um, so like I said, we meet, we meet on Saturdays, you know, after a game from 6 a.m. until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we meet on Sundays from, you know, noon until about 7 o'clock. So it's now some people might say, hey, you guys are crazy. But we also, the proof is in the pudding with what we do. You know what I mean? Like we, mm-hmm. that's the program in Toledo, you know, so it's, we work and we don't shy away about it. So it's awesome, coach. Coach, thank you. You're a busy man. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Awesome, Zach. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to keeping in touch with you.